I will quickly just say that it's awesome that Kill the Comp was able to find some lady dodgeballers to play with them so they could play co-ed no sting because they kicked it. There's your curse word. Dang it. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be recapping the uh, East Round 2 Open Division, and here to help me do so is Frankie, Dominic, and Joe. Guys, thank you so much for hopping on so late. Um, but, you know, per usual, before I uh, go into a long-winded introduction like I'm doing right now, why don't we just start with introductions, start with you, Frankie. Sure. My name is Frankie Giannetto. I play on Team Awesome mostly, and then Night Shift for Coed, and I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you for catching that, by the way. I meant to, meant to ask. All right, and Dominic? I am Dominic Borgia. I play for Mount Olympus, and I'm in New York. And last but not least, Joe Coella. How about you introduce yourself, sir? <laughs> sure. My name is uh, Joe Coella. I live in uh, San Diego, California. I do play um, on the newest member on Anarchy uh, for Open, and for Coed, I play on the West uh, for Echo. Yeah, we're not here to talk about Echo, so no one cares. Um, why are you and how are you in the East? How did well, that work out? sure. So I'm running out of years to play, so I figured that I would uh, try to get around to all of the different uh, coasts, all the different regions, and kind of play in each one of them. And I was invited to play with Anarchy for round one because Mikey was hurt. And I, was, uh, I jumped on the opportunity. Uh, we had a great time, and about a week later, they uh, texted me and asked if I wanted to uh, play with them for the rest of the season, because I was available for uh, uh, Open this year. Awesome, man. That's um, that's really cool for me to, to see, because uh, score one for the old guys, if I may be so bold, but also <laughs> because, and this is totally a shameless plug, because uh, we got to talk about this, by the way, the OG panel that we did last last year, you had talked about how you're going to play until the wheels come off. And so it uh, it resonates pretty strongly within me to see you snagging a, a championship on the East and, and being part of a team that um, can benefit from your talents, because I don't feel like those have gone away. Uh, seeing you snag those catches um, has always been a very frustrating thing, especially when I'm playing against you. But to see it being done still to this day is pretty awesome. So I'm glad. Uh, I'm happy for you, man. Um, congrats on the win, and um, yeah, we'll uh, well welcome. Like I said, guys, um, let's just dive into the the takeaways. So, um, Frankie, you know this question's probably coming, but um, you know round two's over and done with. What is your biggest takeaway uh, when you look back at round one, and and again just wrapping up round two? Sure. So uh, I think we're set for a pretty exciting round three. Uh, the outcome of round two really led to a two-horse race with Anarchy and Awesome being tied at the top. And, uh, you know, I think it was just a pretty good round play-wise. I think the top three teams stayed the top three, and then there was a lot of fun going on in the middle, so we can talk more about that later. Thanks for using the fun for the F word. I appreciate that. I'll just put uh, fun here, and we'll definitely go there. Um, how about you, Dominic? What what are, what are your takeaways? Well, dodgeball-wise, there was a lot of really good dodgeball play. Uh, you know, seeing Kill the Comp uh, really step it up was uh, probably the highlight for me. Besides that, uh, there was a lot of uh, douchebaggery, I felt, uh, this tournament, a lot of uh, negative 
effects I think came out of the tournament, but that's just me. Fair enough. We'll definitely revisit that in a second. And then uh, how about you, Joe? Biggest takeaway probably was um, I think just the uh, the flow of the tournament was uh, was I guess uh, my biggest takeaway. It was it was kind of quite concerning. I think that um, you know I guess each region has its own thing and and it's it's ran a, you know slightly different uh, depending on on who's running it. But um, you know I guess we'll get into it here in the next couple points. But um, you know I think. Uh, I think the East, uh, they do have a lot more fun between the teams. So that was probably my biggest takeaway. And the fact that uh, Kill the Comp came up, um, I know they've only been playing for, I think, a year now. Um, and I was surprised at uh, how quickly they've uh, transitioned from trampoline to uh, floor dodgeball. I had a chance to, I think, speak with a couple of them on, during the, uh, on Sunday during co-ed. Um, but uh, it's good to see that some of these trampoline teams are, are transferring over to uh, – you know, mainstream uh, floor dodgeball. It is because, um, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, just seeing, you know, the the fallout with UDC, rest in peace, it, it's good to see that some teams are making that, that transition and they're sticking with it. And so I think there was a couple teams on the on the north that are kind of doing the same thing. And just, just to remind me, Kill the Comp was, uh, you said they were their previous UDC team? Yes. Mm-hmm. Frankie, you're pointing at yourself, what, what you got? Yeah, they're from New York. They play out of Skyzone Deer Park, and they've made top eight, I want to say, twice in UDC, like 2016 and maybe 2018 as well. Gotcha. And then remind me, is there some like uh, some trash talking between this team? like, Or is there like an expectation? Because I, I remember somebody asked last uh, recap, did Kill the Comp really kill the comp? And then there was like a whole thread of who knows what. But uh, like, like, how are they received now? Like, are they Do they feel like they... Like they belong to the East or are they still kind of at odds or can you kind of clear that up for me a little bit? Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't say they're at odds. Um, when they play, they're very energetic. I don't really see teams be too negative towards them. Um, I wouldn't say they like trash talk other teams, but they do say really funny things. Like when they were playing awesome in co-ed and they were starting to win, there's like, you know, like, Let, let's eat, let's eat, finish your meal. And I was just <laughs> cracking yeah. up at that. And it just, I, don't, I wouldn't call it negative. I think it's pretty, having a pretty positive impact on other teams. Like, it's nice to see guys, honestly, they're, they're new to this. They're new to playing 8.5. They're new to not playing on trampolines anymore. And they're really getting into it and enjoying it. Okay, so there isn't like a negative, like, uh, stigma about them. It's all, it's all been in good fun. From my standpoint, I don't know if Joe or Dom has anything to add there. They played them more than I did this weekend. Yeah, I think they're. Uh, I think one of their players, who's like the the big voice on the team, I don't think he was there for round two. But mm. uh, you know, I I did notice that when when he is there, um, he's not talking you know directly to the other team. He's he's there. He's trying to pump up his team. And I think some teams just take that negatively sometimes. You know what exactly he might be saying or whatnot. But I think. His true intention is really to pump up his team to get them to get them going on the court. Gotcha. Uh, Dom, are you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, Tyrell and Dean on my team both know Kill the Comp because they play trampoline with them. And so we got to talk to them a lot. I complimented. I loved both of their jerseys. They had a really cool white one and a really cool black jersey. And, you know, it was just – it was cool to talk to them and basically tell them, hey, thanks for, you know, keep coming out and, you know – branching out to floor dodgeball okay 
Cool. Yeah. I, again, this is a very limited perspective on my end, just based off what I'm reading from the threads and then a team calling kill, calling themselves Kill the Comp just, in my eyes, kind of sets them up for like, okay, these guys can be antagonistic or they're just having fun. But uh, it's good to hear that it's, it's all in, in good fun and it's not, uh, they're, they're not like, I don't say a bad team, but they're not, you know, they're, they're not, they're contributing to the positive aspect of it. But um, going back to you, Joe, one of the things I wanted to, uh, to kind of pick your brain about was, was, was just also just diving or talk about your, um, what you bring to the table from the West. I mean, obviously you've been playing West dodgeball for a very long time. Um, and it, it almost seems like unfair to say, how does the West compare to the East? But that's, that's kind of what I'm going to stake you with. So, you know, without getting into a huge uh, rabbit hole, just uh, how would you, how would you weigh the two since you've had a chance to participate in both now? Um, I mean, they're both unique in, in different ways. I mean, I, I guess I get more excitement and enjoyment playing out of the East because I normally don't get to play a lot of those teams. And, you know, when I do get to play them, it's, it's at nationals and, you know, and even then it's, there's only a few East teams that we play. So, um, you know, I was real excited about that. And I guess, you know, obviously coming from the West coast, it's usually the same teams, um, each, uh, uh, each round. So, um, you know, the level of excitement in that perspective, um, is definitely elevated with the East and I'm having a great time doing that. Um, I guess one of the other major differences too, is even like, uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the captains, uh, taking ownership, ownership of, of the, uh, of the tournament itself and helping out, you know, whether it's getting, uh, you know, games, uh, started on time, <clears throat> or just pushing the schedule to make sure that, you know, schedules don't get cut. And I didn't, I don't really see that as much in the East. Um, so I guess that was something that, uh, uh, is a, is a, is a difference. Mm, the two. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask too is like, just from your perspective, because again, we're, we've, we're pretty much very much baptized in the West. So that that's for most part, that's all we know. When you go and get to play in the East, do you have like this sense of like, not like you're playing for the first time, but you're like, you just don't really know what to expect from some of these teams. Like, I don't really know like who to look out for. I don't really know some of the nuances of these players. Like, do you have that sense of like variety for lack of better words? But yeah, definitely. My senses are definitely elevated during the game because I, you know, I can ask my teammates what, you know, who's, who does what and what are some of the tendencies, but without really experiencing it, you're, you know, it's that, uh, that level of uh, adrenaline's going through you. Um, but I feel like uh, there's an advantage, you know, going into a new uh, region. I think uh, round one, I was able to get a lot more catches round one because not very many teams knew who I was, and I was definitely seeking those out. Right. So uh, that was definitely an advantage for me round one. I didn't get as many thrown at me round two, but it's like they, they, found, learned, maybe. they found other ways to get me out. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the, that's the cool thing, too. If you're coming from another region and you're, you know, fairly experienced, it's like, yeah, you don't necessarily know, like, what the other teams are capable of, but they don't necessarily know what you're capable of either, so you can kind of surprise them, and uh, that's always fun. It just, you know, we, we can only play this, the same team so many times here in Arizona and here in, in, in the West, so it's always fun to be able to go to another region, and I'm just basically basing this off of my experience the one time we went out to Boston a couple years ago, and then also for Nationals, because... Um, you know, thankfully, it's not run like the NDL where we're in a pool with other West Coast teams. You know, to their credit, Elite kind of spread us out, and we got to play against a lot of new teams I've never played before. And it was kind of like like discovering dodgeball again. Like my sense, my senses were heightened, and it was uh, it was a whole new level of, of play. So, just kind of want to talk about that a little bit. But um, 
I want to go back to you, Frankie. You said um, it, it was fun. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so uh, we always have expectations going into these rounds. I think we talked about before round one how if I would have said these are going to be the top eight teams, I thought they were all in one pool. That didn't happen. I think going into this round, we had a top eight because of last round. And um, if we pull up the bracket and once we dig into that more in depth, you'll see that I think only three or maybe four teams that were top eight last round finished this round. And it was really the top three were still the top three and then Arkham stayed in the top eight. But besides that, you had like a 12 seed sneaking in, a 13 seed sneaking in. I think both of those teams were eliminated first round last time. So there's just a lot of, um, I guess we'll say parody like we normally do, a lot of a lot of equality on the East Coast after you uh, come down from the top few teams. Um, you know, with it being a best of seven now, you'd expect not to see that as much. You would think that some teams that were better would kind of establish themselves and be able to take four games out of seven over a lesser team, but there's still a little bit of tomfoolery going on in the brackets. There we go. I was waiting for that word. <laughs> I got you. I, I know you're dancing around the F-bomb you want to you wanna drop, but uh, you know if it happens later on, it's, it's totally fine. I'll believe it out, but I appreciate you uh, watching, watching your mouth. Unlike Bill, who uh, came in like a sailor a couple episodes ago. <coughs> um, one of the things I want to ask before we dive into you know the seating and uh, the bracket play, I just kind of wanted to talk more, I want to say like high level, but... Um, First things first, uh, is, is Mikey back, um, Joe? Is he back on Anarchy now? Yes, he is. He's um, He was back. He played uh, both um, 8.5 and No Sting for Open. Um, he didn't really throw. We didn't have him throw for uh, for Coed. But, um, yeah, he was at full strength. Um, you know, he was. Uh, he felt great going into it. We did. We played in a tournament in uh, Allenville. I think it was the spring playing where we really kind of tested out or he was able to test out his arm to see how it, it, it felt. So, um, you know, I think not only him, but the team was confident that uh, going into round two, that he was going to be uh, back to his, uh, his old self. So is, is he, he said he's not throwing for co-ed. Is he still kind of preserving himself or? Uh, yeah, it's a slow process. I mean, the last right. thing you want to do is, is over-exercise, you know, your arm when you're, when you're, uh, you know, rehabbing. So just for precaution reasons, uh, um, he didn't really throw that much in uh, in Coet. He's being very uh, conservative. Yeah, he definitely let loose though in, in open and uh, in both open divisions. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet. I, I would almost equate it to like a caged animal finally let loose on on people. <laughs> yep, especially after uh, you know just being able to have to sit out and watch his team play in round one. I think that was uh, you know he had every motivation to be prepared for uh, the next round. That's what I mean. Yeah, just having to be on the on the sidelines, it's never fun. Is he uh, is he throwing a lot more with his left hand now? Because I thought, I remember, if, if I remember correctly, like you guys were saying, like he was training with his left hand now, or his left arm? You know, he was at the very beginning, uh, <clears throat> and he did during a, a fear which tournament it was. He was throwing with his, oh, he does it with co-ed, he'll throw left-handed. Jeez. He's got a pretty good arm. It's either into the ground or... He's, it's uh, right in the midsection, so he's, he's he's working on it. Yeah, and just because it's his left hand, don't underestimate the the strength of that throw, too. Yeah, yeah, that's no, uh, yeah, it's one thing to throw like a quick lob with your left, but if it's like coming at you like a regular, you know, elite caliber thrower, that's uh, it's unfair. 
it's just uh, it's one more thing you got to look out for that guy. But uh, it's, I'm glad to hear that he's back. And, you know, it's, it's never fun when you hear about somebody um, recouping from an injury. Just talking to Andrew Ketchum uh, at Open Gym last week and same thing. You know, at least these people, especially these young kids, are, are taking the – the prescribed ways to get back into the game, like they're slowly going back versus diving in head first, going 100 miles per hour off the bat. So, hopefully, he recovers fully and uh, we'll see him, you know, during uh, continued pass round three internationals. But um, one of the other things I wanted to mention, I, I did bring this up with the women's discussion with um, with Ashley and uh, Jenny. But uh, why was Virginia um, picked? It was I was told it was like a festival or like a jamboree or something. Can anybody talk to that real quick? I can grab it. So originally um, there was, I believe an LGBT uh, tournament in Virginia that was supposed to go on uh, at the same time, but I think they just didn't have enough teams register or something like that. So it got canceled. Uh, that school also is one of the NCDA schools. Okay. BCU, right? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So now, and that was just like an attempt to, um, kind of like what they do with the West, you know, like we'll have in LA, we'll have in Vegas, just kind of, I don't want to say like appease other teams, but just kind of make it more, more centric, I guess, or. I think so. But I personally, like, I think that was a, I think a lot of people struggled to get to that round. I know uh, one of the New York teams, half the people couldn't go. So they combined teams. They did, they did nice and dark side combined into one team just because they couldn't go. And I know a lot of people were looking for players this round, either, there was weddings or it was too hard to get to get to the geos drove 12 hours from Florida, Yikes. which I'm sure we'll talk about to get there because the flights were expensive. And, you know, it was a long drive from even from New York for seven hours in yeah. traffic. And that, that's got definitely um, the fatigue's got to weigh, weigh in and, and be a, a factor. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely save that for, for when we go into brackets. But um I, to- I think it really needs to be strongly considered, though, when when we're, you know, selecting cities to play these tournaments in. Because, like, this one here, it, they call it an international airport, but it's very small, and it's more like a regional. So the number of flights that are direct to, to Richmond, uh, there's almost none. And so that's where the cost of, you know, trying to get to Richmond uh you know, it just blows up the cost for the, for the airlines because you're essentially taking a, a connecting flight. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a lot to consider. I mean, it, it's not so much like, hey, we're going to have a tournament here at the city and, and that'll be that. It's uh, You got to take into account so many more considerations now with how big Elite's going. So um, I don't want to harp on them too much for that, but I, I definitely was curious about why Virginia. Um, you know, when you you'd think like Philadelphia or... Um, somewhere northeast most but um before i I got into my other comments um i wanted to go back and just mention or clarify um i think ashley from the women's recap was talking about uh triana and she just wanted to to throw this point out there and she just said when i was talking about women's no sting match uh venom versus precision uh triana was the one that caught uh three balls in a row so if you want some context to that you probably have to listen to the women's division but i I told ashley I i would air that out if she was able to, to give me that person's name. So, but moving back into, to open. And, uh, one of the things I want to discuss, uh, Dom, your mad shagging skills. I saw that clip this morning. I'm sorry, but, uh, I'll give you a chance to defend yourself or explain what that was about. Well, I will say that was during co-ed. Um, 
I had just got a ball from the backcourt because the balls kept going to the backcourt. So I'd given the ball to my play, to one of my teammates, and then another ball popped off the court, and so I was running for the ball, and it like got away from me, and I it was almost to the line, so I like basically fell forward to stop it from going to the line, and in that process, like I didn't realize Baby Geo was like so close to me, I literally almost bowling balled him and like knocked him over like he was a little bowling pin. Um, he like stuck his hand out like holy shit, don't hit me. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I just I was just scrolling, you know, my own business, and then I saw the um, I forgot the caption it was like something about Matt, best shagging skills or or something. And I was like, what? And then I saw it was you. I was like, oh, oh, I have to bring that up. I don't care when <laughs> when that was. So sorry, man. But um, well, speaking of of um, uh, baby Geo and weddings, um, in case people are curious, like where where they are uh, and where Amanda is. Um, because they're at the wedding, not so much for Baby Geo, but because Amanda wasn't available, we decided to try to change up the panel just a little bit. So in case anybody's wondering what happened, um, it's essentially what took place. So hopefully we'll see Amanda in the recap uh, round three, and then we'll talk about possibly uh, bringing Geo back. But um, also, we'll do our best to maybe shout out some more co-ed highlights towards the end. Hopefully that won't be the only highlight. It's just, what was the biggest takeaway? Oh, Dom eating crap, but uh, trying to just keep this within time and, and focus mostly on opening as best we can. But uh, one one other highlight I wanted to mention, and I'm not really sure who submitted this, but I'm glad you did. So thank you for using the Typeform survey. But um, basically says, uh, this was the absolute worst run tournament I've ever been to in playing Elite for five years. Uh, tournaments are progressively getting worse. And I'm sure the panelists, if you have the right ones, could elaborate on this. So who wants to take that one? Well, I'm going to say me because I feel... Almost the same way. Um, I wouldn't say it was the worst run. My gripe is more with, you know, the players treating each other poorly. And I'm going to try. I was really upset after the tournament and uh, the day after. And, you know, we don't get paid to play this sport. And I just feel like there's a lot of people that treat each other like crap. And granted, there are teams. We There's a lot of people that are super nice and they bond, but there's also like a lot of people treating each other like crap. Like Tim had to clean up for an hour after people on Saturday, um, refing like people not refing or refusing to ref or just like showing up there, but not actually refing and even talking back and talking trash to the refs. Like it's just not cool. We need to like not be to each other. If we want this sport to grow, we need to respect each other because we're all in the same place. We're all paying the same money and only one team at the end is going to win. So there's no reason for us, you know, to be jerks to each other. As you know, Frankie said, most of the people are in the middle of the pack. There's only like two teams chasing the top and the most of us are in the middle of the pack. So we're all about even. And so there shouldn't be so much, I don't know, like unsportsmanlike behavior towards one another. I mean, I don't know if these guys feel that way, but like personally, like that's how I feel. And I want nothing more than to grow this sport. And maybe I just didn't see it before. Maybe it was because people were tired from the ride. I don't know. But I just personally felt it was it was a rough tournament, at least in my eyes. Yeah, and 
not, not, not to, again, focus on all the negativity, but I, I do appreciate whoever wrote this having the trust that we would talk about it. Because, I mean, if, if we're going to do a solid recap of every event, we do want to focus on some of the negative as well. We don't all this, always want this to be just, you know, 100% positive and turn a blind eye to some of the other things that happen. So, you know, stuff like unsportsmanlike um, conduct or people just being D-bags, as you put it earlier, um, that's definitely a no-go. Like, that's got to be... And I don't know how you do it, but that's I, I want it to be addressed. And I, I just hope that people that find themselves in a situation where they can choose to be a jerk or they can choose to not, um, it really impacts um, more than just the person you're, you're kind of being a, a jerk to. It, it really just kind of changes the whole feel of the tournament. And I only have to say, go back to when I interviewed Mark after Nationals. Like, that guy was pretty downtrodden from just the constant absorption of, of the negative and, like, for me, you know, it was it was hard to imagine that because my experience was pretty overwhelmingly positive, but uh, that's just one person out of you know the several hundred that were there. So I'm not sure if uh, Joe or or Frank, if you got any comments on that. But um, the only other thing I had to um, point to was just as we covered in the women's was just the foam balls just being really crappy, and I don't I don't think there's any malicious intent behind that. I just think it was maybe the wrong batch was mixed up, but. Um, we're just at this level now where you have people flying in from other countries now. The The standard has been set pretty high. And again, I, I it's it's easy for me to say on the outside, but we really have to make sure everything's tightened up because if one thing drops, everybody feels it from as simple as, you know, not checking the direct flight pass from an airport to not checking if we have the right balls. Someone's going to be upset and some are, are very justified and some maybe a little bit more on the excessive side. But um yeah, Frankie, Joe, do you, have, do you guys have any other comments on, on on the negativity before we move on to the talking points? Yeah, I do. I mean, I have a couple things I'd like to talk about it, and I think I can bring maybe some perspective from from the West, and maybe even point out some things that um, you know we could take from the West to help uh, change the opinion uh, of the. Um, you know, of what we was stated up here above, how it was absolutely most worst run tournament. And so, you know, we, we started off the tournament, uh, I think about a half hour late. So it didn't start off on the right foot, you know, and a lot of that had to do with just setting up the courts and getting the tape, you know, uh, down and getting the captain's meeting and the refs meeting, uh, you know, together and then just getting people on the court. And so, um, you know, this is definitely not, uh, I'm not holding elite accountable for all of this, um, but there are some things I think we can change. I think the some of the ownership needs to go on to the captains. Um, you know, as, as a captain, you need to make sure that your team is, one, they're on time, and they know where they're supposed to go and get them there. Um, you know, a couple of things I think, well, and then also in between round robin and bracket, it just seemed like that took forever. I think it was like 45 minutes or to an hour just to get the um, – uh, the brackets uh, really pretty much started um, for each division. So that was a real downer. You know, there were just a lot of people standing in, around not really knowing what to do. You know, there was no direction. Um, but I just wanted to maybe give a couple things that maybe we could do maybe round three uh, that worked really well uh, in the West. And, you know, one of those um, things were Mark implemented in round two at, uh, in the West where, uh, during bracket play, if you lost your uh, your match, you had to ref the next match on that court. So that always guaranteed that, one, we had refs on the court, and they were there already to ref. Um, and 
all the refs had to stick around until the semifinals, where they then had to go up to Mark, and Mark just highlighted the ref's uh, name off of his list he had to ensure that we had enough refs for um, at least semifinals. And I think um, I think during semifinals, I think in the open division, you know, we had it was just a struggle to even get line refs, and you know, um, that was you know I, I think that would really help um, you know get the bracket going because there was just a lot of screaming to get refs on the courts. It was like pleading uh, to get them out there. So I think that would really help. Um, and then also the, um, in the West, what we have is we, a couple people volunteer, such as like Pyan, um, for each pool, there's just someone just walking around, always getting people to the next court. And I think that really helps speed up some of the, uh, you know, to get to move the schedule along. Um, so I think that would be really something would be helpful. Um, in the East as well. And, you know, that's going to have to come from some of the veterans in the East, you know, raising their hand and saying, hey, I can help or, you know, let me let me help you uh, set up the courts in the morning and tape. You know, I think that has just a lot to do with uh, the captains and the veterans. So that's that part needs to really go back onto the captains and not so much elite. Um, so I guess that's kind of my my perspective. Yeah, good insights. And that that's the one thing that I appreciate about the opportunity to talk about some of the negative stuff is, you know, how would we fix it or what can we offer as part of the solution? Um, but, you know, speaking to it versus actually executing it is, you know, two different things. So, I mean, we'll see if, um, you know, if the Elite East panel is listening or, or the uh, movers and shakers, for lack of better words, are listening to this and they may take some of that feedback to heart. Or if you're listening and you just play whatever you, you know, whatever um, division, you know, it, the assumption that, oh, somebody else is going to take care of this or somebody else is going to ref um, probably needs to go. And I'm, I'm also pretty guilty of that. And I'm, I'm trying to look out for that a little bit more when I do play or, or ref. It's instead of just relying on somebody else to do it or assuming something's going to be handled, just trying to take it upon myself to do so. And I just think that that kind of helps a little bit more. But um, do you have any words for that, Frankie? I've been awfully silent. No, the only thing I would say... Um we go to nationals, we normally have Jake there who's not playing but is running it, and that seems to help it go a little smoother. I think um, we might want to look into a way for Elite to have, you know, representatives there that aren't there to play and help run it. Maybe if that's the North rep flies out to the East one so the East rep doesn't have to not play, and then for the North round, maybe the South rep travels up there, something like that. But just someone who's in charge of running it and not playing might help because it puts a lot of pressure on Tim. I know um, when he was dealing with the fallout from the foam balls, it was hard for him to get open no-sting started because, you know, they met, he something got messed up and he had to really cater to that and fix that, so that delayed open no-sting. And there's nothing else he could have done about that. Like he had to solve that issue for the women. And I think just having another presence there, who's really just there to run the tournament and take some, some weight off just him might help. That's a really good point. And it's, you know, Jake really does spoil us when he and, and Brandon, they both spoil us when they're running uh, West, I almost said West, when they're running uh West based tournaments, uh, just like you said, having that third party who doesn't have any stake in the game, doesn't have to be worried about being a captain or a player. Their entire focus is just making sure this is running efficiently, kind of like a, a pie-in or like a warden of the game, so to speak, would be uh, really helpful. So we'll see. Um, I thought you mentioned something else, but uh, I'm looking at the notes. Uh, I'm going to move to you, Dom. So you mentioned Alfred Kwan, and that reminded me of another note, and that was no filming was allowed. So 
Um, what was that about? So apparently there was a rule or something in the contract that we weren't allowed to film anything, uh, you know, at all. We They basically didn't want us to film. And then Val found a way, said that if we film it for our own personal use, then we could still film. So I actually personally went to a lot of teams that I knew that filmed and I said, hey guys, if someone approaches you, say it's for your personal use, you just want to study the film and, you know, that way everybody could still record without getting in trouble for recording. Um, you know, I went back and forth with uh, Vince on Facebook saying that, like, it wasn't there or something. I don't know what happened. I was just, you know, we were just trying to abide by the rules that the gym was saying. I still made a point to record as much as humanly possible on my GoPro. Um, but, you know, I had my good camera with me. I, w I was prepared to record stuff. Right. I just didn't want anyone to get in trouble for me busting out my camera and they see me actually filming stuff. So who, when you say they would approach you, like who's they? Staff members? So or? The, the staff members, the staff at VCU didn't want us live streaming, recording, broadcasting anything from that gym. Was it because it was a college or did it they didn't give us any reasons? Huh. Was it was it explicitly in the contract or was it just a general gym rule that wasn't that's written like at the gym? Because I heard both. I, I heard it was it I heard it was contract. Okay. But that's... it could be it could be the gym, I don't know. Yeah, I guess uh so I was I was tuning into um Royale versus Clash, and Alfred was was filming live stream for us. Thank you, by the way, for listening, uh, Alfred. And he, um, you hear him saying, "Oh, I have to stop filming now. Sorry, guys." And then it just goes dark. And I guess, uh, I guess as it was happening, Mark was like flipping out. Well, maybe not flipping out, but telling him, "Hey, you got to stop." And it was just like, "Oh, the secret police found out, and and now we can't find out what's going on over there." And I just thought that yeah. was like the most peculiar thing. Like, what do you mean you can't film? Like, since when have you not been able to film any of these dodgeball events? So, yeah, it's a bummer. But you have footage. Um, if people are listening, they want to reach out to you. They can get what you have, pretty much. I have, I have use. the, uh, I had both women's games, and I already sent them to both the teams. <clears throat> gotcha. And obviously, somebody captured you shagging. So there's some footage. Yeah, that there. was my own. That was my own personal camera. I I called myself <laughs> out on that. Awesome. Oh, I irony. told Jeff I would do it if I was going to plow into him. I, I told him I'm like if I'm if I'm going to do this, I'm at least going to show myself being a fool and and not shagging correctly make it count um well speaking of potential injuries uh you also have in your notes uh alfred was helping hurt players so what what was that about oh yeah so uh during mm. round robin uh tyrell he didn't mean to do this but he threw uh, a headshot at uh abdul and <laughs> hit him right in the face. His glasses went flying and like he had a huge cut on his head and like he had went to get up for a minute and like he started falling down and I was like, uh Oh, I better go get somebody. So I went and actually got Tim and someone else had got Alfred and he had like his emergency kit. And then, so he helped, he helped Abdul. He gets patched up and then someone comes to get him for another player, which I think was Ashley on Venom who got hurt. Um, she banged knee. up her knee, so yeah. they were, he had to wrap that up. And it's like, thank God, he we have a basically a doctor on our on on our teams in in the East because he's been there whenever someone gets hurt. 
Yeah, he's not basically a doctor. He's a doctor. Yeah, he is a, he's a full. <laughs> well, because he does he does what the he's an ankle doctor or podiatrist, I think. Feet. He does sports injuries and the leg. Yeah. I think I, I don't know the exact. He's a doctor. He can heal. I'm, I'm not a doctor, so <laughs> he knows more he's than all of us combined. Yeah, oh. that's and funny. Apparently, there's a an EMT that was there too. I don't know. Well, that's awesome. Um, I mean, it sucks that injuries happen, but it's. It's always good to know that somebody with the huge scope of, of individuals that play dodgeball, somebody might be able to help you out based on some experience or some profession that they that they do in the in the real world. And um, you said Tyrell. Was this Tyrell Hayes by any chance? Yeah, it was. Oh, man. I love that man and his awesome memes. Um, yeah. And it was his friend. It's his friend. He just pegged really hard in the face oh, and it busted his friend up who had a graduation the next day Perfect. and he was going to take pictures and he had a huge gash right in his eye. Oh man, that sucks. But, uh, yeah, yeah Tyrell, if you're listening, man, thank you for the memes, dude. They, they cheer me up. Uh, anybody that sends memes, it's like their job is to post hilarious memes on Facebook is, is okay. In my book. Um, I last, don't know where he gets them all. Like I, he has an unendless supply. Some people just have a direct feed and they just, I don't know. They just have a talent for spotting it and they're always like perfect. Like, Oh, this is exactly how I feel today. This is great. <laughs> um, before we go into the actual, you know, seating and teams and talking about round Robin and whatnot. Um, last comment you had a last point was, uh, the bracket was done wrong twice. Is that something you wanted to talk about Dom or. Well, I know that? it was done wrong. Joe, what was it? Coed and 8.5 or was it no sting? It was, uh, I know for sure it was coed, no sting. Okay. I think it was 8.5 as well. I guess some of the, the scores were written down wrong and, um, Joe's team had, uh, had the actual scores, So they just had to go back and fix it. Okay. So it wasn't anything too catastrophic or. I don't think so. It, it slowed it down a little bit, but like, it happens, you know, people, people relay scores wrong sometimes. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, only because I always go check and confirm like what, um, what they, what they have for a record, but I'm sure all teams don't, but uh, essentially that, uh, you know, seating is so much more important now with the single ELIM. So, you know, we know of one score that was wrong and it essentially affected, um, you know, I think there was like six teams, uh, there was three. There was a three-way tie for one, and and it moved the number one seed down to like the number six. So I mean, it definitely impacts it. And so um, you know, got to try to figure out a better way to get the the scores in, I guess. And I, I don't know, it might be a takeaway for for them. Yeah. So didn't you? And this is by no means like it just ended up being brought up. But didn't you create software to help with this, Joe? Or I, I did, but you know, if if the ref who um, you know, tells whoever it is what the score is. If they tell you wrong, that's yeah. not gonna that's not gonna fix an error. But you know, um, I think that was the case for the uh, for coed uh, no sting is just the scores are written down wrong on the score sheet. Yeah, that's a good point. You still can't uh, you can't really account for human error or, or can't prevent it. It'll happen. Um, so, what was your software being used now? Are, are people adopted that? It is not. So it's uh, it's still being used for uh, the classic and for um, for Tyler's tournament, the Tribune tournaments. Okay. Just just curious there. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and get into like the actual games now, and um, just a couple of points that I think uh, Dom, you, f- you sent my way as this was happening. Um, Anarchy looks like they went ten zero. 
Uh, is, that, is that correct, Joe? Yes, it is. We went 10-0 and 20-2 in individual games for Open. Uh, no, who uh, who took two off you guys, if you remember? Yeah, it was um, Arkham took one and Goat took one. Nice. So they're the only people that were able to kind of scratch you during round robin. Um, I'm just going to assume you guys came came to play. Uh, were there any adjustments that you guys had to make? or I mean, was it pretty seamless when you guys took off or what happened? Frankie is well, nodding very... I think we were just all really focused okay. um, on the task at hand. I think we were a lot more patient than we were round one. Um, and, you know, round one, we were missing Mikey. So it was kind of a new chemistry of the individuals that were playing on the court. Uh, I think it was Casey, myself, Casey. Um, actually, it was just the two of us that were new onto the team for round one. So it was kind of a feeling out process. Mm. We didn't really have it quite down. So, um, you know, going into round two, um, I think everyone was just focused on what they had to do. And we really just capitalized on on our individual strengths. Has, uh, have, your, have yours and Casey's roles changed much going into Anarchy? Um, no, not really. I mean, we still play in the middle, um, somewhat in the middle of the court. Um, and you know, I still do what I do. I, um, but, uh, no, it was actually really kind of a seamless, uh, transition in, into the team, um, as far as, you know, who does what and whatnot. So, um, I do volunteer to sit a lot more. That was part of, um, you know, the agreement that, um, I would play when I can. So. Gotcha. I just realized, uh, you, Casey and Billy being reunited is like the old school rise of like. What? Yeah. Two thousand. Well, we all played on face check together. We don't. We don't talk about that team. <laughs> I, I don't. I, we. It's fine. It's just an old team. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's you guys are what one Chris Bell short of that full roster almost. So. Yeah, we do. We do practice every and, Sunday together too. So that really helps. And then Casey lives in. He's permanently on the East now, right? He he fully moved. Yeah, he's in Philadelphia now. Crazy where people end up. Um, well, before I move off of Anarchy, Frankie, you were nodding your head, like I said, pretty, pretty enthusiastically. What uh, what were you going to say? Do you remember? Yeah, so I can do my little Anarchy spiel now. Yes, um, let's do it. Definitely the best team in the building in 8.5. And um, I would say they made a lot of adjustments. He kind Joe kind of touched on one with the patience. I've never seen them pump fake so much. I feel like they spent all day refusing to throw until they got a fourth ball off of like an early counter or something like that. And then the biggest adjustment, and this is coming from us being a competitor, playing them all the time, um, they moved Caterino to corner, which takes away an, not an easy first out, but an easy first target. Like normally they have some guys in the middle that throw really well and you want to get them out and they're a little easier to get out. But, and uh, putting Caterino in the corner playing on ball the whole time made that arm stay in the game the entire game. And um, he's on my short list of highlights too because not only did he get to play on ball and protect himself, but he killed it as a corner too. Like this might have been his best tournament I've ever seen. He was – I mean, we didn't deserve to take games off Anarchy in the finals. We had a lot of like crazy catches in some of the games that gave us a chance. But right. Caterino held that side of the court down and he stayed in and – so I, I think they had a big adjustment was why I was kind of like nodding my head so enthusiastically. Dang. So Katarino, he's a tall guy, right? That came yeah. from shooters. Yeah. I'm tall really... guy, baby blue eyes, Boston accent. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I remember uh, playing against him in Nationals 2016 with Titan, and I think me and maybe Brad or me and Izzy threw two balls at him, and he caught them both. And I was like, hmm, okay. Like, you can't do that, but he did. And I imagine he's only gotten significantly better since then, um, especially with this lineup. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of cool. Though. I mean, you make one little adjustment, and you just see another, like, a player's style or contribution to the team just completely blow up in a, in a good way. Um How's Billy doing? Because um, I don't know. If, did you say the SSH word or did you say Schmidt? Your Schmidt list? Am I going to bleep you out earlier or later, Frankie? Me? No. I don't remember what word I said, but I was like a list of people to highlight. Katarina was on there. Oh, my short list. Oh, your short list. Okay. I thought you said the Schmidt list. I was like. The Schmidt list? No. Maybe Joe has a Schmidt list you can talk about. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny because I remember talking to Billy one time, just joking. I was like, I think we have like a, a five minute segment where it's just talking Schmidt and it's just you airing out all the negativity on my thread that way I just get it out of the way in one foul swoop but uh, how is Billy like what, what's he look like playing pretty much on every team he can on, on the west but moving over to the east is he's blending well with you guys is it just racking up more practice for him or what are your thoughts there Joe yeah, yeah I mean he's he's still he plays in the middle he, he starts off in the middle and uh he'll end up in the corner if one of our corners get out but I mean he's just so dominant in the middle he's always played the middle, even back in the rise days, so I think he feels most comfortable there. Um, but, I mean, he's still a great player, even in the corner. He's still someone to deal with and draws a lot of attention and heat so that, uh, you know, some of the other players on the team can kind of fly under the radar or at least take the heat off of the role players to uh, to also make plays. So, um, you know, he's just a real big distraction in the middle, um, which always helps the team. Yeah, you, you say fly under the radar, like, okay, Mikey is going to fly under the radar, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, not, there's a single player on that team that, that's just going to go unnoticed. Um, not intentionally, yeah, anyway. I was speaking more towards, like, some of the other players outside of uh, uh, Mikey and Billy. They they draw so much attention that I think it takes a lot of heat off of the, the rest of the team. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm watching all of you guys, even the ones on the sidelines when I play against you, just in case. But, uh <laughs> Well, we can go ahead and get off our anarchy. Obviously, you guys are the team to beat right now. Um, I want to talk about Kill the Comps a little bit more. What, what was that, Frankie? Tenno? No, 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 team to beat. Whoa, 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 we're tired. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Come on, round three. <laughs> Talking for you here. We'll, we'll, we'll get to you in a second. Um, but Kill the Comps. So we talked earlier. They, they showed up. Um, looked like they topped out at 7-2, to two, and they snagged the third seed. Um, so quite the, quite the move up from, where were they last time? Uh, 16th, so... Can uh, oh. go ahead. Kill the comp. We all played ten games, so I think I think it was around um, thirteen. They came on the other side of the bracket and played precision. So we might have not counted one of their games. I see in that record because they did play. They did play ten. Yeah, it was it was probably I probably misheard when I was telling you that during the actual tournament. Okay, but. Whatever they did, obviously it worked. I mean, is that just because I think maybe as you Frank was saying earlier that just they're kind of adjusting to to Earth Ball or they're they're adjusting to the elite rules and they're able to kind of just stick together and and um, you know that seems to be the reason why most teams improve is because they they stick with it, they practice, they take their lessons learned from previous rounds and come back stronger. Or is there anything that they might have done differently this time to to have such a stronger finish? Yeah, I'm not sure what they're doing outside of when I see them at Elite, like if they're practicing 8.5 more or what. But they're one of those teams with, I feel like in dodgeball, there's you know teams that play very strategic, 
play slow. They really like think about the game and do a lot. And then there's teams that just like make plays. You know what I mean? Like they just kind of go on a roll and do a lot of cool stuff. Right. And kill the comp. It just seemed to be going their way. Like they would be getting, always getting big catches. You know, they were getting their hits when they needed them. I think I, I didn't see it as like a strategic change. I think they, maybe they just felt more confident this round. Uh, maybe Joe can speak about this, but I know they did pretty well in the playoffs, even though they were 16 seed at round one. So maybe they just build off of that and they had that confidence and knew they could handle 8.5 now. And they beat us in round robin. That's not saying much because everyone beat us in round robin, but um, it just seemed like they were feeling it. <laughs> just a different team overall. Uh, so I'm going to chime in with this. Uh, I actually talked to them about it and they, uh, they basically said they did start practicing, um, because they hadn't really been practicing Hmm. prior to round one. Um, they started off the day with a loss to kill to precision two to one. And then the only other team they lost to was impact. And that was a two to one. Uh, otherwise they beat everyone else that they played. Nice. So yeah, just, whoops, just trying to go, go back to, uh, you know, practice. I mean, the simple basics of, of a team that wants to get better. You got to practice. You got to treat it professionally, so to speak. Um, so, Frankie, I kind of we kind of alluded to this. So, so awesome. Uh, sorry, man, but I'm just going to flat out say you went from two to um, eleven. What what uh, what happened there, man? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So we just wanted to ensure that we were on the other side of the bracket from Anarchy. Um, and after we started losing a couple games, we we realized that we couldn't get like that two three seed. So we figured it was our best bet to shoot for like six, seven, or uh, eleven and twelve. Um, so we just wound up settling in at the eleven seed. But um, in all seriousness, we started off. We we never won our first round, which is how it goes. And then a lot of our losses, probably four of the six, they were winnable games, games we should have won. You know, you have like a Matt Giovinco against whoever on another team and he steps out of bounds, just like stuff you don't expect to happen. Mm. And then um, the other two losses, we got smoked. It was goat just absolutely annihilated us. Uh, In fact, Spencer on goat came up and was like, Hey, I think we're about to play. And I was like, no, we actually already played. You missed the whole series. It's over already. Like that's how quick it was. What was Spencer when this is happening? Uh, I don't know. Playing DVR or. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Well, Spencer, then, um, Spencer was good. hurt. He had like a wristband on, so uh, he he wasn't playing as much. Gotcha. He's yeah. He's still playing DDR in my mind, so that's that's where he was. So yeah, we were we were four and five after that, um, and then Anarchy. We played Anarchy, and that it was a little close. It was. I mean, they two owed us, but it wasn't like a blowout like the Goat game was. So we just ended the day four and six. I mean, our schedule is tough, but that's no excuse. Like we should be able to go, you know nine and one every time there pretty much and this round we didn't but by the time playoffs rolled around we uh we knew what we had to do and we did it so yeah um do you because we kind of talked about like the drive do you think fatigue might have impacted uh the geos a little bit dom you're saying yes i think so I, mean, yeah, I think it's a, it's a possibility uh drew rolled into our hotel room at four o'clock Oh geez, why and even... slept for maybe like what two and a half hours then and matt did the same he just stayed in another room uh i don't know if it impacted drew because he's the guy who used to show up to tournaments still drunk from the night before <laughs> but uh we'll see we're a little older now yeah you know, 
getting into the 30 range instead of the 23. So Matt, I can see that being the reason. Yeah, Matt told me he was a little fatigued in the morning. He said that's why you guys pretty went went rough on the round robin. He said he was tired. Yeah, th- we can make a lot of excuses. We just we didn't do what we should have done. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but you know, it's still good to kind of talk about potential variables that might have changed or might have altered your your uh, your peak play opportunity. But um, I want to talk about the goat real about the goat. I want to talk about goat real quick. Um, Dom, you're saying Spencer's actually skipping round three for DDR, huh? One hundred percent. He's one hundred percent skipping <laughs> round three to go to a DDR tournament in Florida. Well, he he's a big deal in that, right? Like, remember, yes. number, he's number four in the in the world. In the world. In the world, he's very good at DDR. I've seen him in action. He is very good. That's insane. Yeah, I, I remember he was. He wasn't. I think his teammates were alluding to the fact that he's a big deal. He's like, no, no, don't don't look me up. And <laughs> shoot, man, now, now they know he's fourth in the world. I'm gonna have to get a hold of him and like have him, I don't know, sports and ball stick gear or something, get his autograph for a uh, loose touch. Yeah. We were all giving him crap at practice uh, for skipping uh, round three to uh, go to DDR. But you know, when you're fourth in the world, I kind of get yeah. it. So yeah, I hope Justin's not upset, but I, I, I don't blame him. I, I, that'd be hard not to, you're fourth in the world. Like, come on, that doesn't really yeah. happen too often. So I would forgive you, Spencer, if I was uh, your captain. Um, impact. We kind of we kind of overlooked them real quick. So they took second. Uh, they took third last round, second this round. So are, are they looking pretty much the same from round one that any of you guys can speak to? Or I didn't want to go past them or, or bypass them. But what do you got, Frankie? Yeah, I don't know if they went undefeated. They when we played them and they two won us at that point, they were I think moving to be six and zero. Oh, so they they either went undefeated or close to it on the round robin day. Um, and again, they finished top three at the end of the bracket too. So I think they're established as one of the better teams. Like I think they kind of get out of that middle area that some of the other good teams are in, but they haven't figured us out yet. And um, Besides that, though, they, they they were playing better this round. Like some of the players that you would consider at the bottom of their roster were winning games and winning games against players at the top of other people's rosters. I want to say Ryan Fricker and Ryan McComb on Impact beat Drew and Matt Giovinco in a two-on-two in Game Three in our game. So they they were definitely uh, playing better, even though they had the same result at the end of the day. I think they're moving in the right direction. So Impact, I just checked, Impact did go undefeated. Yeah. And I think that's where the ranking came into question with the chart because Anarchy had also gone in, in undefeated. And so they weren't sure on the seeding-wise who had did better. So I think that was one of the adjustments that they had to make. Gotcha. Trying to see, like... It's hard to tell what that would have impacted. I just know that it would have pretty significantly um i do want to go back to goat real quick so I, we got kind of sidetracked with uh with spencer being number four in ddr in the world but uh looks like they they improved slightly they went from seventh to fifth did uh any of you guys that played them do they look different at all do they look like a little more honed in or can any of you guys speak to what they might have done thank you i don't I'm not sure who you're pointing at dom or 
Maybe Probably. Joe, you played them in round robin. Oh, okay. We played them in round robin. We uh, we beat them the first game. They took the second one from us, and then uh, we beat them the third one. You know, we, there was uh, definitely some improvement as far as their team chemistry. I think they were throwing better together, um, and there was a little more talk, and, and I guess, uh, like, I don't want to call it plays, but there was a lot more huddling that they did um, versus the first round. They looked a little um, – they weren't all in sync round one for sure. Um, and I think uh, I think they really honed in on it for for the second round. Um, we did have a fluke. Uh, I don't want to say fluke, but it was a double hit. It was a ricochet that took out I think uh, Billy and uh, Casey right off the bat, or it's Billy and someone else, and then uh, in game two. So, but other than that, I mean, they were they were definitely a tough team to beat this in round robin. Yeah, they had uh, they've had a, a few roster changes, so. You know, they added, I think they added some more, I want to say firepower. And it gives them a little bit more, you know, you don't necessarily who's gonna know who's going to throw. And I think they switched up a few things. Um, I think we went, they, they beat us two to one. Um, but it's, it's I, I think they started practicing more too after round one, which has been helping them. You said they brought in more firepower. Any individuals in particular that might be contributing to that, or? Um, I want to say I want to say Sean. I think that was his name. I think Sean. that's his name. Yeah, from, from not from round one, but from last year. Th- this year, they've added Narcisse Clarkson and Sean Bryant. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, about space cadets looking like they went from 15 to ninth so I, I feel like that's pretty considerable jump now they're top 10 at least in in terms of seating for round two and you guys get to play against them and see what they brought to the table so they 201 two yeah beat us two to one for us to like start out the tournament um i don't know i mean for me it was the same space cadets they you know adam adam doing his suicides and you know helping take charge of the team. I guess they just played better this round. I don't know. I didn't see too many improvements. I just saw the same the same team I usually see with the Space Cadets. Yeah, we, we played them in round robin as well, and I think their biggest challenge is just their consistency because I, you know, we, we beat them 2-0 fairly quickly, but I watched them in a few other matches where, um, you know, it was the complete opposite of the way they played Anarchy. Um, and they were, it was, it looked like two different teams almost. So I think their biggest challenge is just consistency. And I think, you know, that just has to do with, uh, you know, how long they've been playing together with each other and, and whatnot, and just, you know, really just getting in sync. But that's one thing I did notice about Space Cadets. I also remember like having a couple of conversations about their inconsistency that really throws teams off. And I, I feel like that really shook a lot of people during nationals was just like, this is a team that no one's used to. And they're not playing by the usual like cadence of, of elite dodgeball, so could be one of their strengths too, depending on how you look at it. Um, and Adam Demir, right? That's his last name. Let's make him as a shock to you guys. Did you guys know that he was yeah. the captain of Space Cadets? <laughs> Contrary to what everyone else would think, it's not Colin Dowling. It's not? No. No, I knew it was Adam. Yeah, no, yeah I'm, I I'm just making fun of myself for taking this on to get it uh, a couple more teams i want to point out real quick before we move on to the brackets um the other one was aftershock actually i think you put that in dom no i didn't put aftershock in is it you frankie no but um 
Yeah, they uh, they fell a lot, and it's it's mostly because of roster issues. They had two of their core players, Wyatt and Noah, not be able to make this weekend, and they actually weren't able to find replacements, so they played a man down in almost every division. That's rough. Um, yeah, I, I, so when you see a drop that big, you're like, okay, seriously, something must have happened here where it's like it's not the full team or something a little bit beyond uh, their control because, uh, I mean, they went from 6th to 15th, so that's pretty just shows what those two individuals bring to the team. Uh, another thing I, I did want to point out, though, was Mount Olympus. So you guys went from 14 to 10. Uh, Dom, what, what, what happened there? What contributed to that? You know, we we went 5-5. Five and five. We thought we were doing pretty good, but we had our, you know, we just had some hiccups. We had some, uh, we, have, we still have some bonding because, you know, Mount Olympus changed up from last year. So round one was the first time all of us are playing together. And I think round two, we really started to actually gel and start playing together. And uh, we actually did, I know we're not going to be talking about no sting and co-ed, but I actually felt we did a lot better in no sting and co-ed as the day and the next day went on. Um, But I think it's just, you know, uh, Ian, myself and Derek, who is in the South, we all just started practicing together in New York. And then, you know, Dean and Tyrell, they're just like both, playing together and they're both almost identical players in their play style. Just one's on one corner, one's on the other. And I think just getting in the groove of trying to learn our play styles and talk to each other really like made us do a lot better in, in round Robin. Gotcha. So again, this, this could be the argument of consistency is what's just helping, um, especially from round two. So I'm curious to see like what round three is going to look like and see if uh, any of these other teams move up just a little bit more in the rankings or in the seating at least. So let's go ahead and get into uh, to bracket play, and I, I know you want to use the word effery, uh, Frankie, but um, let, let's talk about like maybe some of the upsets that you see, or let's kind of just address this like first wave here. But why don't you go ahead and, and take lead and just kind of walk me through uh, some of these matches here. Yeah, sure. So after the playing games, there were a couple games that went chalk. You know, Anarchy did what they've been doing in 4-0 to team. The 8-9 game was pretty close, but then um, we had two upsets at the top of the bracket, Bloom, who is based mostly out of New York and a little bit of Philadelphia, wound up beating Clutch Mode, and Clutch Mode was the four seed there, and Bloom beat them 4-2. I know they were really happy about that. This is only their second tournament together. So beating a team like Clutch Mode, who is not only the four seed this round, but was in fourth place overall going into round two, that was a big win for Bloom. Um and then Tigers as the 12 seed upset Goat as the 5 seed. And as we talked about earlier, Goat was playing really well this round. So I think a lot of people were pretty surprised that Tigers were able to beat Goat pretty handily. I think it was 4-1 for that score. Yeah, and you know, I almost want to caution saying stuff like handedly or as a sweep because like we really can't see the actual battle. Like sometimes, at least I've been corrected, you know, like a 4-0 game doesn't necessarily look like it was a steamroll. It was like, no, every game was a battle, but... Um, like, were you able to, to kind of see some of those matches? Like, did Goat put up uh, a pretty good fight against Tiger, at least? Or I know for Bloom versus Clutch Mode, um, both Bloom and Clutch Mode, both of their captains told me that it was just a lot of catching. Like, Bloom was just getting a couple catches in most of the games, and that was really turning the tide. For Tigers versus Goat, I only saw the first game, and I think Goat won that one pretty right. easily. And then I had to go play. So the fact Tiger. that that turned out to be 4-1 was pretty surprising to me. I don't know if anyone else solved that series. Tiger snapped out of it. Um, 
What uh, what team does Tyler Alcantara play on? Tigers. He's on Tigers. Okay. Yeah. Is it fair to say that he's been pretty impactful in this team? Because I, I think um, I almost want to say this is his first elite season. Yeah, he played uh, with Clutch Mode last year, round two, when they had their best overall finish, and then he joined Tigers this year. And he's just another. I mean, he's super talented. He's got a big arm he catches pretty well so it just adds a lot more versatility and arm strength to their team yeah i definitely say he's an asset to any team he hops on i got to play with him in the uh the classic and uh it was a, it was a blast um he's a very scary dude um if you're on the opposite side actually yeah i got to play with him on Sin city too so um definitely good memories playing with him and tim and uh just seeing what they're throwing at the other teams like wow these these two are pretty pretty gnarly um Let's talk about impact and aftershock. So, speaking of, you know, again, four zero, not really showing the entire story, but uh, do you want to go ahead and continue with? Um, I don't want to say the upsets, but some of these other matches, Frankie. Yeah, we can move on to the bottom half of the bracket. So, there weren't as many technical upsets here. Um, impact beat aftershock. It looks like that was four zero, and again, aftershock didn't have their full squad as well as. In- like the people missing were good players too, so it wasn't like they're just missing one guy. Yeah. Um, Arkham, it looks like maybe Don could talk about this. Beat Mount Olympus 4-0. Um, Arkham's a team I want to spotlight later, but I mean, it looked like to me they were just killing it all day. Yeah, it was a little bit of a battle, but Arkham, Arkham was just playing. They were playing really tough, and you know you got to give them a shout out. Josh Ty leads that team very well. I was gonna ask about and, him. You know, they get they get the catches they get those clutch catches and um you know they just you know i <laughs> i don't even remember that game enough to like go into details i'm sure i have video on it um but they they're a really good team you should never sleep on arkham definitely not yeah. especially with uh, josh ty's sideways throw i, I hate that thing I absolutely it's not hate just it. him it's that whole team yeah, yeah. Cool. They have one person who consistently throws overhand. It's their newest player, Julian. That's not right. Yeah. Good for them, but yeah, it's so confusing. And then uh, Josh Ty just cracks me up. And they remind me of something. <laughs> so any any double catches that any of you guys picked up on just for the whole whole event? Because I think there was a there's some trash talking between Chris De Jesus and Josh Ty about potential double catching this year. There was none. I didn't none hear of any thing. double catches this entire tournament. There was a lot of catching, but not, not no double catching. Not doubly catching. Fair enough. I mean, I try to catch a ball with two hand, with uh, two balls in my hand. <laughs> Still one catch, but you know, I mean, it's yeah. impressive. If, if, impressive. It, if you pulled it off, I'll, I'll... Oh, yeah, I, I tried to. I attempted. <laughs> yeah, no, I said if you pull it off, I'm not gonna, I'm not oh. gonna shun that one. But uh, fair. Um, how about finishing you... off the yeah, finishing bottom off. of the bracket there. Uh, Kill the Comp first Bulls. Uh, Bulls is another team that was playing a man down, and then also one of their players is just coming off an injury, Kyle Roth. Uh, they made top eight last time. I think this time, you know, just with everything going on with the Kyle coming off injury and then playing a man down probably hurt them, plus Kill the Comp has been playing better. And then the technical upset down there was Us Awesome over Zero. That game was 4-1. Um, the games were decently close. They they had some of their normal players missing, but it picked up free agents like Sean Wheeler for the round. Mm. So they, they were a tough out, a lot tougher than the 4-1 score looks. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sean Wheeler was killing it. 
Yeah, he's all right. He's he's like maybe almost contributing to Heat. <laughs> Decent team uh-huh. at best. Just kidding. Um, well, let's go into the next round. Um, not to put you on the spot, Joe, but can you remember anything from Precision, like how they looked? I mean, it looks like... Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we uh, we took them 4-0. Um, you know, it was actually the very first game. They came out real hot, and we found ourselves down pretty quickly with uh, Mikey and um, Billy out. Um, so that match took a lot longer. Um, i got to give props out to... Um, I think it's Akil and Marcus. Um, you know, those guys are just, um, I mean, one of them just, you can't hit him out. These guys just defies gravity when he, <laughs> when he dodges. I'm, I don't, I'm not sure what his name is. He plays in the corner though. So I'm not sure which one. Um, Akil. Akil. Yeah. So props out to him and he, him and, um, Marcus just play their hearts out and, uh, you know, and then the next three games, I think it really got our attention and we were able to pr- uh, finish those out pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah, to kind of speak for both of you guys, it almost sounds like maybe they, that first game, they they kind of woke you guys up and like, okay, we can't we can't snooze. You got to play like we would normally, you know, all all cylinders, all hands on deck kind kind of deal. Maybe. Yeah, there was a lot of firepower. Game two, three, and four. That tends to be the case. So like you tend to play against a team like, um, like back in the day, like maybe Doom or Titan or you know some of the the teams with like the heavy firepower like they might they might skate just a little bit until they get that first like slap across the face to reality and then they just bring it on and you're like well that was a mistake um so it looks like Tigers ended bloom um kind of brought them back to reality but impact and Arkham yeah I can take that one so that was probably the most exciting match of the top of the eight top eight or the rest of playoffs, honestly, nice. uh, that score was four, three and we were playing. So I didn't catch all of it, but when I came over to talk to them, probably in the middle of game five ish, um, Arkham at that point had just been catching everything. Uh, something we didn't bring up earlier. A lot of the balls were kind of like newer. So some were hard to squeeze. Some had like a sheen on them. Even Billy Schmidt one time went to throw, throw a ball and it slipped out of his giant hands. So I know Impact was bringing that up a little bit, but Arkham was just, they were on their game. Um, I don't know where they're technically in the standings at this point, but I probably consider them top four in the East. I mean, they're, they're, they're the cleanest team. Anarchy's very clean, very strategic. Osman Impact, they're a little more of that kind of playmaking team. They like to cause a little chaos, but Arkham is so clean. They're going to be a matchup nightmare for anybody who likes to live in the chaos. So... You know, when Impact played them, they really, they, they squeaked it out. It was a 4-3. It was very close. I wish I knew more about specific plays, but players on Arkham to call out. Uh, there's someone on their team named Jacob who just catches everything. And then Jose and Julian and Eduardo, they're all great arms. Uh, Jose plays corner. Eduardo normally plays the other corner. They they're just a good team, Dom. If you have anything else to add on them, but yeah. they're a team that needs to be spotlighted. Oh yeah, definitely. Because you know, a lot of people don't know this, or maybe they do, but Arkham was hurt last year. They had a ton of injuries last year, so it's really great to see them come back and just like really come and say, "Hey, we're here to play." And you know, every single player on their their team can catch. They can throw. Eduardo, he would be my shout out, other than Josh Ty, like he was doing everything in our games. And I was like, man, we need to stop this guy. And, you know, 
uh, we tried to get Tyrell. Sorry for cursing. Oh, uh, Don't worry about it. <laughs> we had to get we, like Tyrell kept trying to get him out, and you know I think he got a, a good grab on uh, a throw, and I'm just like, he catches everything. Yeah, and it, it wasn't just injuries for them too. They've had a lot of turnover. Um, they made yeah. top four maybe in 2016 or 17, and since then they've probably had three or four different players. So I, it's even cooler that they're back to being one of the top teams on the East because it feels like they very much have like earned it. They had to work for it and reestablish that chemistry that makes them such a dominant strategic team. Nice. Yeah, it, and then, it's, it's always fun yeah. watching those guys play, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them um, come nationals and whatever highlights I can get um, for round three. Uh, but go ahead, Frankie, are you going to go into the KTC, kill the comp? Or? Yeah. Yeah, awesome kill the comp. Um, just pretty quickly, I think we tried to do our best Arkham impression and really slow that game down. Um, that's a team where you don't want to be in the chaos there. You want to really focus on ball control and make sure you're picking your targets and huddling as much as possible. So they beat us in round robin, um, and then we made sure to change up how we played against them in the playoffs. Nice. And um, what, they take fourth? What was that score, uh, Frankie? What what did they? What was the score against uh, Comp? I think it was four one. It might have been four two. I you know I loved watching Kill the Comp. I know we talked about this a little bit earlier. I think if they can just get their composure, when like because if they get down, they like get all riled up. But if they got their composure and you know stopped getting riled up and and you know really started you know figuring it out. I really think that they could easily win one of these. They've come, they came close, and I want to say Coed or No Sting. They were like top three, but once they get their composure and they get it, watch out. They're going to be a tough team. They're already a tough team. That's awesome because you throw them to the same mix as you know Goat and um, Arkham, and maybe Space Kid Adds. What have you? Like that's that's great. That's. I love seeing that kind of variety. Like it can be anybody next round. It can be anybody uh, taking top five versus the same, you know, teams you would expect. And if I'm, I'm no bracketician, but they, I'm going to say they took fifth. Looks like is that fair to say? Yeah. Well, yeah. As yeah. Frankie was saying, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun in the middle. Yeah. Almost anyone could come out of the middle of the pack because yeah. you know you have anarchy and you have awesome. Those are your top two. But any of the other teams can easily pop out because the competition is just like everyone's so close to like getting over that edge. You know, you have teams like Impact and Arkham that are, you know, probably on the higher part of that middle of the pact. But then you have like Kill the Comp that's right there, Mount Olympus, Goat, Tigers, Bloom. Like they're right there. If they could just get that one little catch or play to get them over that hump, you know, it would change it up. Yeah, this is this is the fun we're talking about. Look at the look at the fun we're having with all the <laughs> the potentials that are coming out. Uh, that's exciting. I, I love I love watching this uh, from the sidelines and just seeing and guessing what's gonna what's gonna pan out next next round. But um, Joe, let's talk about your match with Tigers um, again. Yeah, just before we get into, I just want to make an, oh, sure. I, I made some notes about Kill the Cop when I was watching some of the video. Oh, sweet. And or just watching them this last past weekend. And they just defend themselves really well, whether it be blocking or dodging. They're, they're really quick. Um, I, I don't know who the really tall guy is. He's just got a cannon, that guy. And mm-hmm. there, there was a few matches that I saw where 
he was very active in throwing and he got a lot of guys out. But then there was some where he just kind of just disengaged. And I think, you know, maybe some more of him throwing where as long as his team was able to protect him, I think could really help bring them to the next level. But they're just really hard to get out and they can catch well. You know, those guys are quick, uh, agility-wise, left and right. To So you end up throwing a lot more balls than you normally would, um, you know, in a match. So definitely to their advantage, they just need to work on a couple things, and I think they'll be right up there. I wonder if um, I wonder if, if they're like maybe what we'll see in the future for these UDC teams that are transitioning. Just um, like they, they may have had their, for lack of better words, like their their – I don't want to say dominance, but they may have had like their their time in the spotlight in UDC, but to see them cross over, take a couple of rounds to, to kind of get the the finer points of ground based dodgeball, and if we'll be talking about them in the future, um, definitely hope that that's the case and we can see that because um, yeah, I'm all about seeing like new teams and you know with the again the fallout of UDC. Just I hope there's a future for them, but um, you said notes. What else you got, or, or is that all? Those were just my my mental notes of of Keller Comp from this weekend. What I saw, and you know how I, you know, some of the things that I noticed tendency wise, and what they're good at, what some of the weaknesses were. Nice. Molly scouting. Yeah, you you brought up a a good point. Um, ah, I won't bring it up right now. The offline conversation, but. Um, you want to get into Anarchy your- versus Tigers. So yeah, this was kind of much like the precision match. And I think we actually kind of have an advantage since they just got done playing. Uh, it was Bloom. What was the Bloom Tigers score? Was that? Oh, no. Okay. I well, I think the first game actually took the longest. But, you know, props out to uh, that guy, Tyler. I know we've made mention of him a few times. But, you know, don't let the size fool you. That guy can can not only, one, throw the ball hard, but, uh, you know, he's, he's got a lot of um, good attributes as far as catching and just protecting himself. And then the other guy that I noticed, uh, Steve. Steve was probably one of the harder guys to get out. I mean, it always seemed like he was the last one in um, in, in every one of the four games. But, uh, you know, they were we were ready for him, and I think there was a lot of built-up, uh, you know, a, a lot of built-up emotion about uh, last year, round two, when, when they beat uh, Anarchy. So the uh, team was, you know, super hyped, super focused for, for that match, and I think it showed with, with the 4-0. Um, against the Tigers. Yeah, one, one one last point about Tyler, just because being able to actually play alongside him and watch him, when you said he, he don't be fooled by his size, he, he hope I'm not giving you away, man, but um, I'm pretty sure people picked up on this. Like He seemed to, he, he seems to like go towards the center and kind of leave himself open and make it seem like he's vulnerable, but then you throw at him and he'll catch you. And like he's got that quick, like those quick hands and those quick reflexes and that quick drop. So yeah, he, for... For somebody of his size, he's actually really fast, and that's that's uh, that's a pretty good good attribute because he just backs it up with power. So he's um, he's definitely somebody that I would be looking towards for you know all stars or just being a very impactful player, whether he sticks with Tigers or, or moves on or what have you. Um, yep. can we go into the Anarchy versus Awesome finals? What what happened there? Frankie, you want to start? <laughs> Silence that one? Frankie, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I can start this one. Um, scores 4-2. It didn't quite feel like 4-2. I know you guys went up real fast on us 2-0. I don't, you might have even went up 3-0 on us yeah. before we won the two games. 
the two games we won, it was really just like we needed those big plays. Like people were getting catches in the middle off of some of the stronger throwers. But Anarchy just came to play this weekend. Their ball control really hurt us. We would have like Matt would counter from the corner and Mikey would be on top of him immediately. Or if we tried to throw from the right side, Katarina was pushing and messing with those throws. So maybe someone like Billy would get a catch where normally we might actually be able to put it on a good spot on them. Um, there were a couple where we had our counters get caught. I know Billy, there's a fun play online. I think it's Billy and maybe Casey. I don't know, Jeff, you know that was, but they're both at the center and we counter them and both balls wind up like ricocheting to the other person and they catch them. So this is outperforming us on a defensive level, on an offensive. It really took us like playing at our best to steal those two games. Hmm. Yeah, you know, there, I guess by game four, it was 3-0, and then you guys won that first game, um, make it 3-1, and then game uh, game five, you guys won as well, and went 3-2, and I, I actually started getting the feeling of, oh, is this similar to round, you know, one, where we got up on on uh, on awesome, and maybe we ju- were just trying to do too much, and it kind of threw us off our game plan, but, uh, you know, I think we regrouped. Katarina was awesome in the corner, I mean, not just in in uh, um, the finals, but he he was sniping a lot of people across court. And you know, if someone tried to go at Billy or or Mikey, uh, he always made him pay. Um, Brandon had a huge catch to start off the game too. I think it was uh, game six. So yeah, I mean, it's always a tough match with Awesome and and uh, in the spirit of competition, it's it's something that I know Anarchy looks forward to playing you guys uh, each uh, tournament. So nice. Very cool. Um, all right, so I think that's pretty much all I had, uh, at least in terms of questions for for how open went. And I'm really, I really hate to just kind of bypass co-ed and nose thing. Um, I, I do want to mention though, somebody submitted this from the Typeform uh, survey, and that is uh, co-ed. Uh, Sam Girardi with Impact quarterfinals game seven against Night Shift. Huge catch that gave Impact the win. See Impact Facebook for video. I'm not on Impact. I just watched it happen, and it was freaking epic. Um, they use the F word, though, so paraphrasing that. But um, just real quick, uh, and we'll start with you, um, oh, Frankie. Is there anything you want to mention just in co-ed? And I, I, again, I know this is not really fair, but if, if, if there's one thing you had to talk about, what would you say about co-ed? Uh, I will quickly just say that it's awesome that Kill the Comp was able to find some lady dodgeballers to play with them so they could play co-ed no sting because they kicked ass. There's your curse word. Dang it. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> One's okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they knocked out awesome and they were down 3-1 and they came back on awesome. So that series, uh, we have the video, we haven't posted it yet, but if you want to watch awesome kind of fall apart against a fun team and kill the comp, that would be a good one to watch. Now, being is that you're on what night shift, right? Yeah, I like to trash talk awesome. I was just gonna say, are you just are you just savoring <laughs> that opportunity? <laughs> cool. Uh, how about you, Dom? What you got? Um, so I was actually refing line refing uh, the woke hello game, and Megan Fricker caught Andy in a one v one, and you know basically helped her team keep going. And I was actually, while that game happening, 
Sam's catch happened and I heard like a lot of screaming from the other side. So I was like, oh my God, so many crazy things are going on at once and I can't leave. Oh, okay. So is that why, uh, so you weren't, you weren't saying anything there, Frankie, about the, that catch? Yeah, I don't know why someone said it was freaking epic. It was more like freaking heartbreaking, but whatever. There's always two sides, right? Yeah. Did you, Steve, did you watch the, the clip yet? No, I, I, it hasn't come my way yet. So uh, Sam is like literally laying on her back on the ground, catching the ball. And she brings someone in and they, they, get, they get you out, Frankie? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, they immediately had a ball in their hand and charged the court, and I was trying to get a ball and just hit the deck, and it like skimmed my shirt. Yeah, it sucked. Can we not talk about it, Joe? What's your co-ed? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> fair enough. Fair it was enough. A lot of heartbreaking stuff. loss to you guys. We lost in Game Seven. Yeah. Fair enough. And Joe, I mean, we kind of talked offline, but um, what's your highlight or lowlights or what would you want to talk about with co-ed? Well, let's just say when we got to bracket, we had a real quick exit. Um, <clears throat> we got the number one seed. We ended up actually going undefeated in, in round robin. We did great. Had a great time. Had a lot of fun in between matches and whatnot. And I think what really kind of hurt us was just, um, you know, I think we played Impact uh, and they beat us four to one. Uh, they played very well. Um, but they got in a match prior to playing us where we kind of came off off the bench pretty cold. And, uh, you know, we just kind of uh, – they took us by surprise, and they played really well. I mean, they were hitting their targets, and, uh, you know, I was – I couldn't hit the uh, the, uh, the barn door uh, with anything. So, um, you know, we, we had uh, – who was his name? Uh, Sean Wheeler was on, on incursion this time. So it was me, Sean – uh, Armando and uh, Mikey and uh, you know we just couldn't really do much we kind of came in cold and, and they, they really just took it to us and not so much by surprise because they were actually were pretty tough in our round robin it's just you know they they were on point that, that game and that's really all it takes in a in a best of seven match you know there's no there's no comeback bracket from that so and I think they really rode rode the wave you know after after beating us as well gotcha yeah, I'm just kind of breezing through the bracket here. It definitely went pretty far. Um, I missed the comeback bracket. Yeah. I mean, it. so far my experience, at least podcasting about it, I love single. I never thought I'd ever say that. NDL ruined that for me. But I love what it's doing to these outcomes. Um now, when I play single elimination, finally for round three, we'll see. But um, there's something really cool about that comeback bracket. Like, hey, we're not out of it yet. We can still play. Maybe warm up against some of these like lesser performing teams and, and still get our rhythm back. But um, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got good feelings for for singles so far. But there's uh, also been a lot of seven game series. If you look at that bracket. Oh yeah, the set, the four threes. Yeah. And that's that's what I like about that is like okay we have single elimination but you know it's not two and done like you still have a chance to come back from a three zero um, uh, loss or not loss but you know you can have a, th- a team take three points off you and you're still in it you can still kind of fight for it so you're not completely out of it yet you can still get your stride so to speak but um, so so per I mean, this all started from the round two women's recap for the West Coast. Um, Brenda was saying that this is 
people are considering this like unofficially like the year of the catch. So I'm, I'm kind of just asking each panelist like what their what their input is. Like if you had to sum up so far, 2019. Um, we'll start with you, Frankie. Like what would you say this is the year of? I would say transition, especially for the East Coast. Lots of changing rosters, changing rule sets, and uh, there's a lot of impact and fallout from that. Fair. Would you say there's a lot of fun from this as well? Oh, yeah, a ton of fun. I oh, personally had a very fun round. There was a lot of, uh, as we were kind of lagging in open no-sting, teams were making up games and playing, like, pseudo-dodgeball games. Like, you had to stand on the back line. You could only catch with one hand. If you caught it in your shirt, you got to pick someone off the court, stuff like that. So it can also be the year of fun if you want. Uh, I'm more went like the tomfoolery fun that we were talking about earlier, but, uh, I mean, that's good. Yeah. At least people are having fun, like actual fun. But this is all about anyway. Um, so transition for you, Frankie. What about you, Dom? What would you say this is the year of? Uh, well, to add on to Frankie's having fun, they were playing basketball too in the back uh, during in between one of the game, in That's between one of the rounds. Unacceptable. Um, I forget what it was called, but like you had to get eliminated or something you had to get the ball in. I I don't I don't know what the hell it was. I would say it was year of the catch also so far. Year of the catch. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the year of the catch that the ladies had said because so far, you know, a lot of the outcomes of the games have all been, you know, the changing momentum have all been catches. Yeah, I mean, just listening to the, the matchup against what Arkham and Impact, something like catching yeah. had, a, had a lot to do with it, uh, keeping them in that in that battle. So transition your catch. How about you, Joe? What would you consider this the year of? Um, I'd say the year of... Uh perseverance i think uh you know the transition from best of three to best of seven where you have to push through a lot of these games where you're completely exhausted and still play it at the top of your game um and you know it's it's a change in you know how conditioned you are you know are you can you can you make it all seven games at, at the top of your, top of your game so perseverance um resilience you know just kind of just not giving up if you're, if yeah. you're down Pushing through the pain, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. Some of these best of seven games, you know, you you go from one best of seven to the very next one, you know. Uh, so there's – when you play all seven games, you don't really get much of a break, maybe one or two minutes. And so, you know, you got to push through the pain and, and play a team that might have had ten minutes to sit sit down and relax. Yeah, Re- Rebecca was saying something about that, like during the North round two recap. She's saying like, you know, we we had one match which just went on forever. It was like thirty minutes or something, and then it w- it went even like I think three to four, and they had to play against a new team that was well rested at that point, and they still had to battle through it. So perseverance is a pretty good, pretty good theme for the year. I like that one. Um, so moving on to probably the most important question of this whole night, uh, Team Taco versus Team Pizza. So I was checking last last recap. I don't think I asked, asked you guys this. So Frankie, starting with you, man. If you had to choose, are you Team Taco or Team Pizza? Pizza. Oh, boy. How about you, Dom? <laughs> I'm Team Taco. I think I knew that already. I feel like Yeah, because we, we, we discussed this on my podcast. Okay, yeah. Yeah, just the way you said Taco, like, I've heard that sound by before. Okay, well, we got to... Reaffirm your taco love. Um, how about you, Joe? Pizza all day. Pizza, yes. Finally getting some some wins for pizza. Very cool. Um, well, I think uh, I think that's all I got, guys. I mean, you know, per usual, thank you so much for hopping on and, and give me, you know, some of your hours this evening. 
especially you guys on the East Coast. Um, I know it's late, so I don't want to keep you much any any longer. Um, but yeah, thank you for helping me wrap up, and you know, we'll I think we'll end the interview there. All right, so that was a recap of the Elite Dodgeball East Round Two Open Division Tournament that took place uh, this past weekend, May 18th. And huge thank you to Dominic, Frankie, and Joe for not only being willing to. Um, give me your time, but also take notes and uh, just being willing to talk dodgeball and help me recap. Definitely doing our best to, provi- to provide as much of a well-rounded recap of the events as possible. And it's kind of why I'm splitting open and women's into two separate. I definitely don't mean to blow off co-ed or no sting by any means, but uh, just given the capacity that we have and the bandwidth that I personally have um, right now, my priority is open and women's. Um, but on that note, if, if you are interested, if you're listening, interested in helping me cover co-ed or no sting and this goes for any of the other divisions as well please reach out to me because i do have some plans in place to help um, mitigate just the fact that i'm very limited to my schedule but um moving on i do appreciate anybody that submitted the um whoever submitted rather the type form comments um i I definitely as i said in the women's recap i want to make that a staple moving forward so my plan is to have a separate survey for each separate event posted on each wall so for those of you that are interested in taking part of this please share that amongst the team threads team chats and just help us basically have a more solid recap of what's going on that way all these awesome plays that are kind of coming up last minute or after the fact are still covered uh huge congratulations to anarchy for taking first uh team awesome for taking second and tigers for taking third and uh not sure what more I can say other than I'm just really excited to seeing what uh, what plays out in round three. So um, on that note, we'll just leave it at that. If you're still listening, have a great uh, rest of your evening, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. One more just in case. Three, two, all right, so that was a recap of the open... No, we're done. We're done. We're just going to make that last one work because I'm tired. I got to pee so bad right now. 